Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to remind you, if I could, very quickly before I start, we have challenged you guys with what we call Challenge 365. Uh, It's an opportunity to write encouragement cards to our missionaries. We have missionary partnerships, thank you Curtis, really all over the world. And uh, we are challenging you guys and giving you the opportunity to write cards. Let me just explain this to you. These little sheets are all around. There's a big basket in our missional area. These are partners we have all over the world. In fact, uh, I'll talk for, in, in just a few minutes about our missions conference, but our partners in South Asia, which is kind of the middle bottom there, and our partners in Africa, top right, Blue and Darby Tidwell, they will be here at our missions conference coming up at the end of August. You'll get to see them, hear from them, meet them, encourage them. But I want you guys to write two encouragement cards per family. Two. That's all I'm asking you to do. It'll take you maybe 30 minutes one afternoon. And I'm telling you, if we all did this and took these to our missionary partners, it would mean the world to them. They are living overseas, isolated oftentimes from other Christians. And they need to know that there are people back here in America that love them and support them and are praying for them. So please, write a little note to yourself. Don't forget to do this. Write a little note in your Bibles. If you're taking notes, put it in your phone, whatever you want to do. But I just really want to encourage you guys. If everybody did this, we would have more than enough to last these people for a year. They could open a card every day of the year. And it would mean more than you'll ever understand for these people. So please, take a little sheet. Write an encouragement card to these people. Drop them in that basket in our missional area. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin this one. Father, we love you and we serve you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as a body of Christ to serve you. To study your word, Father, I pray we would just understand this truth. I pray you would help us to apply it to our lives. And I pray through the power of the Spirit we'd be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We've taken a few weeks off over the summer. All from our study and our study we've entitled In the Beginning through the book of Genesis, and we've used that time to talk about Mission LaGrange and missional opportunities, which was a huge success, and and we continue to hear stories from people that were involved in that and are continuing to minister to people in our community. But we're going to jump back in this morning to Genesis chapter 12, and because it's been a few weeks, I just want to take just a few minutes to review. I want to remind you where we've been and kind of get a brief picture of where we're going. And then we're going to delve right into Genesis chapter 12. Because Genesis 12, it's an important chapter in the book of Genesis. It's really a bridge from kind of the the picture of creation and the flood into the covenant with Abraham. And it's very important. But you may remember, we started in Genesis chapter 1. We looked at creation. We saw the seven literal days. We saw that God created everything good. There was no sin He looked down upon his creation and he said very clearly in his word over and over that it was good. In fact, that it was very good. He created man in his image. And then we read, if you remember in Genesis chapter 3, the devil tempts Eve with a forbidden fruit. She eats of it. The Bible tells us sin enters the world. And from that point forward, everything changed. 
Now I want to remind you of a passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 3 because it's important for our study in Genesis, but it's also important for our understanding of what's going to happen today and over the next several weeks. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, let me just remind you. Adam and Eve have sinned already. The Lord has come down and He's basically told them their punishment told them what's going to happen, explained the curse to them, and he's speaking at this point in Genesis chapter 3 to the serpent, to the devil. Here's what he says. I will put enmity, that's basically anger, hatred, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now we said, as we studied through this, and we spent a lot of time talking about it, We said that this was really the first picture of Messiah. Now Jesus isn't going to enter the scene into the book of Matthew, and so we're a long way off from that in Genesis chapter 3. But it's the first picture we get that at some point in the future, the Lord is going to send a Savior to battle and eventually defeat Satan. Now, we passed on through that in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to come back to that idea here in just a second about Messiah. We came to the flood, the destruction of the flood. We moved through the flood. The Lord saved Noah and his family into the Tower of Babel where the people of the earth were trying to make a name for themselves. You may remember the story. So they built the tower up into heaven. The Lord came down and confused their language. And now here we are. We find ourselves in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. Now this is going to be a really important chapter because it's going to bridge kind of the story of creation, fall, flood, this hint of a Messiah. This is big picture stuff in Genesis 1-12. through We're going to go now from the big picture of all the creation and the fall and the flood and we're going to narrow it down from the entire earth down to one man, Abraham. Now this ties into Genesis 3 nicely because what's going to happen now in Genesis chapter 12 and following is the Lord is going to call Abraham to do some incredible things we're going to see. But ultimately, this is important, Messiah will come through the line of Abraham. So as we begin our study this morning... The Lord is going to now, for the first time, give us a very clear picture through one person of exactly who Messiah is going to come from. Now, these people didn't understand that in the book of Genesis, of course. Abraham didn't fully understand it. We have the benefit of the entire canon of Scripture to study and understand. But Abraham, in this context, in Genesis chapter 12, is an important individual. He plays a very important role. And so the next many chapters in the book of Genesis are really dedicated to his life and to the life of his family. So I thought it would be kind of interesting, before we actually take a look at this passage of Scripture, to give you some interesting facts about Abraham. Here's some facts you need to know about Abraham. Some of them you will know, some of them you probably have not heard before. Jesus Christ, as I said a few minutes ago, the Messiah, came from the line of Abraham. We're going to make that point in just a few minutes by looking at some passages of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. Over 40 Old Testament references are made to Abraham. The three great world religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, all identify and understand and speak of Abraham. In fact, the Quran mentions Abraham 188 times. One-fourth of the book of Genesis is devoted to Abraham's life. 
Abraham's name occurs 234 times in the Old Testament, 74 times in the New Testament, and apart from Moses, no other Old Testament character is identified by name as many times as Abraham. If you were to look in Hebrews chapter 11, and you can do that later, the Hall of Faith, no other person in that chapter is talked about more. The author of Hebrews 11 devotes more space to Abraham than any other individual. And then maybe the last one, maybe the most important. God himself oftentimes referred to his name as the God of who? Abraham. Now this is a big deal. And I want you to get what a big deal Abraham was. All he accomplished... All the scripture that's written about him, all the stories that are told, and all the study we're going to have over the next several weeks. But here's the truth I want you to get. This is the most important part. Abraham, now watch this, was just some ordinary guy until the Lord decided to use him. You understand that? Had the Lord not worked through Abraham, you never would have heard his name. So here's the truth for you. This is where the application occurs in your life. You may be just some ordinary person, just like me. But the Lord can use you to do extraordinary things if you'll just trust Him. Let me say that again because some of you don't think I'm talking to you. You may be just some ordinary person. But the Lord will do extraordinary things through you if you'll simply trust Him. And we're going to see a story just like that today. So Genesis chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 1 and we'll kind of unpack it and work through these first few verses. We have it on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, by the way, he's Abram. He's later going to be called Abraham. I'm probably going to use both of those, not for any particular reason other than I just am used to calling him Abraham. So if I say Abraham, I'm talking about Abram. His name's going to change later. We'll see that. So the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Now here's truth number one I want you to think about with me this morning. God calls us to go and sometimes that calling will test our faith. God very simply calls us to go and sometimes that calling will test our faith. Now let's put this into perspective again just for a few minutes. We've already seen the importance of Abraham. All the verses that have been written about him, all the things that he did, all the ways in which the Lord blessed him and accomplished great things through him. The most important truth about Abraham that we'll see is that through his line, through his family comes Messiah. Now, you don't have to flip with me, but I want to read for you some passages in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And then he goes all through this genealogy, all the way down to Matthew 1.16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. 
So connect the dots now with me. From Abraham, this man we're going to read about in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, eventually will come Messiah. But it's fascinating to me. Bring that verse back up, verse 1, if you would for me, please. It's very interesting to me that God's first word, His first calling in His plan to redeem the world through Jesus Christ is a call for Abraham to go. Isn't that interesting? The very first command the Lord gives to Abraham. Now the Lord knows where this is going. He knows that Messiah will one day come. He knows the story from beginning to end. But the first thing he says to Abram is, you need to go. <laughs> now watch what he doesn't say. Abraham, you just need to sit and kind of hang out for a little while. I'm going to handle this all on my own. He doesn't, see, he doesn't say, you need to just kind of wait, Abraham. He, he doesn't say, you need to be passive, Abraham. He doesn't say, you need to just show up at church and sit on a pew. Did I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Instead, what the Lord says is, you know what? You need to go. You need to do something. Here, here's the truth we need to get from this. We serve a God that calls us to action. If you're passive in your faith, if you're just kind of skimming along, if you're just kind of going along to get along, if you look around and you realize you've never really accomplished anything for the Lord, you've never really even tried to accomplish anything for the Lord, you're probably missing the truth of Scripture. Because God says, I want to do some pretty cool things through you, and the first thing I need you to do is get up and do something. Now this is the first time we kind of understand this call clearly, but it's certainly not the last. There are all sorts of examples all through Scripture that give us this same idea of action. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the, the Great Commission. Many of you are familiar with it. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations. You remember that. We've studied that. Those of you that were faith trained all those years ago, you remember that passage. Go and make disciples of all nations. Mark chapter 8 verse 34. This is Jesus speaking. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? All of these verses and many other call us to action. Now the Lord's going to call Abraham, we're going to see here in just a few minutes, to a far off land. Now he may be calling you to a far off land. He may be calling you to go to somewhere all the way around the world or he may be calling you to go across the street and talk to your neighbor. He may be calling you to go to the farthest reaches of Africa or he may be calling you to go to the cubicle next to you at work tomorrow and share your faith. He may be calling you to go help plant churches in India or Indonesia or somewhere around the world or he may be calling you just to go to the break room. <laughs> And share your faith with the guy that works down the hall from you. See, God calls us to action. And He expects and eventually requires that you do something with your faith. Now, we've been very intentional here at Rosemont these last several years in giving you opportunities to go. We've been very intentional about giving you opportunities to serve. And so we've again planned at the end of August a missions conference. And the information is out in the breezeway. Randy's out there. There are tickets for sale. The banquet is at Friday night. Guest speakers. 
But the whole reason we do the missions conference is to encourage you to go. <laughs> so if you've already been, or maybe you're praying about going, or maybe you're scared to death and not really sure what the Lord's calling you, I want you to be at this conference so you can hear the speakers. You can meet some of our missionaries. You can be aware of the opportunities. I'm very excited about this conference for several reasons, all the things I just said. But we're also going to be giving away our, our new missions magazine. We've done another one for this year. been working on it the last several months. It's Missions 2016. It'll have all of our upcoming trips. We'll unveil all of our trips for 2016, all the dates, everywhere we're going. We've added two new international trips this year. Two opportunities and other places we've never been before, but we just sensed the calling of the Lord. We had a neat connection there, some relationships, and so we're adding some additional trips. Here, here's the point. You've got an opportunity at this church, right where you serve, to go to the farthest reaches of the world or to go just down the street or to go anywhere in between. And so you ought to be asking yourself this very simple question. What's the Lord calling me to do? What plan does he have for me? Now I want you to notice how the Lord phrases this call in Abraham's life. Bring that verse up again if you would for me please. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. So the Lord said to Abraham and he gives him three different ways here. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. See that? So you, leave, you basically leave your family, you leave your people, your country, your father's household. You leave the security of all these things... The safety of all these things, the, the familiar surroundings of your land and your country, I want you to leave all those things and trust me. Now, it's interesting to me that all those things are the things that most people cling to, aren't they? They're also the very things we use as excuses not to do anything. Lord, I can't really go because I, you know, I, I don't, really, don't want to leave my country. I mean... <laughs> The language and the, the travel and the food. and I, I, I don't want to leave my country. Or I don't even want to leave my people, my area. Because I'm scared of what may happen. I'm, I'm not, not really sure how to, how, to, how to go and how to be involved. I, I just don't think I can leave my familiar surroundings. or I don't think I can leave my house, some of you may say. I can't even go across the street. I'm scared to death of, of what may happen. I'm not quite sure what I would say, but I want you to understand something. God understands your fears. He understands your insecurities. But he's, he's crying out in a loud voice above all the fear and all the issues and all the things that we think are important. And he's saying to you one simple thing, just trust me. Just go. Just step up and be involved. One writer said it like this, God's claim on our lives always beckons us to leave certain things behind at the same time we are taking up a new journey and following Him. Now some of you, the wheels are probably turning and you're probably sitting there thinking something like this. Okay, so I get this, right? So the Lord's calling me to action. I see that. I see it in Genesis. I see it in Matthew. I see it in Mark. I see it in Acts. I see it. Okay, the Lord's calling me to action. I'm supposed to do something. But Adam, you may say, I have no idea what the Lord's calling me to do. I have no idea where the Lord's calling me to go. I don't really have a plan. I sense that I'm supposed to do something. I just have no idea where. Well, I want you to look at the end of verse 12, verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to what? The land I will show you. 
You know the interesting thing about this passage of Scripture? Abraham had no idea where he was going either. The Lord didn't say, look, you need to leave all this stuff and go specifically to this place. He basically says, Abraham, I'm calling you out here, man. I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to action. I want you to get up. I want you to set everything aside. I want you to leave it all. And I want you to start walking. And I'll tell you when you get there. See, sometimes our call to serve the Lord challenges our faith. And so I want you to do something. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you don't have any idea what the Lord is calling you to do, then begin by just getting up and doing something. That's real deep theologically, isn't it? Oh, wow. You have no idea what to do? That's okay. Just get up and do something. Go volunteer in our laundromat ministry. Just start there. Or go to kids club. We have two different kids clubs this afternoon. Calumet and then down at Pine Mountain. Go to one of those. Go volunteer at the Emmaus house. Sign up and go on one of our overseas missions trips. Go to Guatemala or South Asia or Zambia. Pick a place to go. Just get up and do something because I promise you this is not going to happen. You're not going to get off the plane in Zambia and the Lord go, you're sharing your faith in Zambia? No, that's all wrong. Don't you tell anybody Jesus over there. Get back on the plane and come home. Nobody, the Lord's not going to say that to you. You're not going to walk in the laundromat and the Lord go, no, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't tell those people in there about Jesus. You're not going to go to Guatemala and the Lord say, oh, you've got it all wrong. No, no, you can't be down here sharing your faith. Here's the truth. You're not going to make a mistake when you're serving the Lord. Do you understand that? You are not going to make a mistake. Now, the Lord calls different people to different places. I get that, and you need to be in prayer about that. But it's okay if you go to the laundromat ministry, share your faith, and then realize, you know what, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Try something else. Or maybe you go to Guatemala and you say, I had a great experience, but I'm not cut out for this. Try something else. Here's the point. Get up and do something. Quit using all the excuses of my home and my country and the things that are familiar to not serve the Lord. The Lord's call is clear. Go and do something for me. So we ask ourselves the question, great. So the Lord calls Abraham to leave everything that's comfortable to a place he's going to later show him. He steps out in faith. Why does the Lord call Abraham to do this? Look at verses 2 and 3. The Lord gives him a pretty clear picture. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's truth number two. God has great plans for us and for the world. God has great plans for us and for the world. Now we have this tendency sometimes to kind of elevate Abraham. We kind of put him up, up, up on this pillar. And he did incredible things. Right? He accomplished. I went through the stats. All the times in the scripture he's mentioned. All the examples given of him. All, all the, the things that he accomplished. And, and certainly this passage, Genesis 12, and the many chapters that follow, really are about his life and about his story and about his family. But at the foundational level, this story really isn't just about Abraham. Instead, it's more about the power of the Lord working in his life. You understand that? 
At the center of this story is God's call and God's power because Abraham was just some ordinary guy. And until he chose to follow the Lord, he was a nobody. Now I want to point this out to you scripturally. Look again at verses 2 and 3. Some very interesting to me in these passages of Scripture. The phrase, I will, this is the Lord speaking. The phrase, I will, is used five times in these two verses. So this is the Lord speaking to Abram. I want to read these again and emphasize the Lord's calling of Abram and the Lord saying to him, Abraham, you don't really have to do anything. I'm going to do it for you. Verse 2, I will, you see that, make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now to verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. You see the pattern here? The Lord says, Abraham. (laughs) I know you're you're just kind of a nomad. I know you're just kind of wandering. You're you're kind of in this area. I know you're really a nobody. But if you'll trust me and listen to me and get up and obey me, then I will do all these things in your life. See, here's the cool thing about the Lord. He's always the hero of the story. I think we miss that sometimes, don't we? Because if you're like me, I'm going to be your transparent for a second. I like being the hero. Don't you? I like figuring it out, and getting it right, and doing something well, and getting praise. And if we're honest with each other, we all like to be the hero. And I wonder if Abraham sometimes felt that way. Look at what I've done. Look what I've accomplished, right? Look at all the things that I've done in my life. Instead, what we see very clearly as we read through this passage of Scripture, that it's really all about the Lord. So here's the question. Are you going to trust Him enough to let Him do what He would in your life? You understand He's saying to you, if you'll trust me, I will do great things through you. I'm always amazed when I have the opportunity to go overseas because... Other places in the world don't live like we do. I know that's pretty obvious, especially if you've traveled. But sometimes when you get into these places, especially the places we go, and our church goes to a lot of hard places intentionally, that's not by accident, we go to the places nobody else is going to. And when we get there, oftentimes the the way that the people live in great poverty and very difficult circumstances outside of the truth of the gospel, I see these people and I'm reminded very clearly every time I go that the grace of God has been bestowed upon my life. Because I look at these people and I think, why were they born there and I'm born here? Right? You had nothing to do with your place of birth. You had nothing to do with who your parents were going to be. You had nothing to do with the opportunities that were given to you. All those things are given to you by the Lord. And we begin to kind of take a step back and look at our lives and understand the, the landscape of, of the journey we've been through. We begin to see the Lord's hand in many different places, don't we? And if we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with the Lord, we begin to say, you know, Lord, I really didn't have a whole lot to do with this. You just kind of directed my path. I wish I could take more credit, Lord, but you're the one that did all this. And I'm reminded of verses like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Psalm 31, 3. 
Since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. On and on this list goes. There's this sense all through Scripture that when we trust the Lord, when we allow Him to work, He will do great things through us. You say, what are the things that the Lord actually did for Abraham? We'll look again at those two verses. The word bless is used several times. I want to give you just an interesting fact. If you were to begin in Genesis 1-1 and read through Genesis 11-1, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, the word bless is used five times. In 11 chapters, the word bless is used five times. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, the word bless is used five times. So it's used the same number of times in three verses as it was in the previous 11 chapters. Why is that? Because the Lord wants Abraham to understand, if you'll trust me, if you'll get up and go to action, if you'll follow me, I will bless you. So he gives him this whole list. I will make you into a great nation, right? That's the blessing. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then the last part of verse 3, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Here's a truth we miss far too often in Scripture. When the Lord blesses you, He does it for one very simple reason. You know what it is? So you can in turn bless others. We've got this tendency, and maybe this is the American dream, you can call it what you want, but we've got this tendency, when we receive blessings from the Lord, we like to hoard those things up, don't we? And we like to put them away, and we like to lock them up, and we like to hide them so nobody else may know, or so we don't have to worry about anybody stealing it, and we just kind of take this idea of the blessings, and we just, we just kind of want to hold them in and keep the world away. And yet what we see in Scripture oftentimes is when the Lord blesses us, He expects us to bless other people. In fact, He says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. In other words, Abram, I'm going to bless you, and then you take the blessings I've given to you, and you bless other people. So I think we should ask ourselves kind of the difficult question. Lord, what am I doing with the blessings you've given me? All the things you've done for me in my life, Lord, why is it that I seem to think I can hoard these things up and not bless anybody else? Why is it do I think I just kind of need to keep these things to myself? Because what we see in Scripture is when the Lord blesses others, He expects those people to bless more and more people. And so you should be considering students, teachers, faculty, administrators, parents, as this school year starts, how am I going to step up and take action this year for Christ? How am I going to trust Him, allow Him to bless me, and in turn, bless others? What am I going to do at school this year that will bless somebody else? What am I going to do this year at work that's going to bless somebody else? How am I going to take what you've done for me, Lord, and in turn, bless all those that are around me? And so we see this interesting progression, this, this interesting pattern here. The Lord calls Abraham to get up and to go, to be active in his faith. God says, if you'll trust me and get up and go and be active, I'll use you to accomplish great things. And now verse 4, as we kind of wind this down this morning. Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abraham went. 
as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he went out from Haran. By the way, you're never too old to serve the Lord. Now, he did live to almost 200, so he wasn't quite halfway there. I get that, but he's still 75, okay? <laughs> Verse 5, he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And by the way, he's just walking now. He's just being active in his faith. He's not sure what he's going At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. Again, another picture of the promise and the covenant. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills, hills east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Here's truth number three. Very simply. Abraham was faithful to the calling of the Lord and we should be too. Abraham was faithful to the calling of the Lord and we should be too. I think if you wanted to sum up verses 4 through 9 of Genesis chapter 12, you could do it with the first three words of verse 4. So Abraham went. What a, what a beautiful picture of obedience. What a beautiful picture of faith. What a beautiful picture of a desire to trust the Lord even when we don't fully understand. Lord, I don't know where you're calling me to go. I don't know exactly why you're calling me to go. I'm not sure how this blessing's going to play out. I don't really know anything about what the future holds, but I trust you. And so when you call me to go, I'm going to get up and go. I think it's time for some of us to set aside our fear and step out in faith. We had the opportunity this week to go to Nashville, Tennessee to the SIN conference. I talked about this last week. And the SIN conference was a combination of the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board, both sending arms of the Southern Baptist Convention. Those two groups partnered together to have this SIN conference. Upwards of 14,000 people from all over the country came. All 50 states were represented. More exciting than that, in my mind, is that our church took 30 of our high school students. We took 30 students entering 9th through 12th grade, and they heard what I consider some of the greatest preachers of our time. David Platt spoke, you know David Platt. Louis Giglio spoke, Albert Moeller, J.D. Greer. Passion Band was there, if you're familiar with Passion. Casting Crowns was there, David Crowder. I mean, this is a big name deal. Lots of people, lots of very well-known, very well-respected people were here, but they were here for one simple reason. The whole point of this conference was to challenge us to be on mission. We were challenged to go. One of the speakers, one of the knights, talked about this idea of a blank check. And he said, what would it look like if you handed the Lord a blank check? <laughs> and you said, Lord, you fill it in, I have no idea. I don't know where you're calling, when you're calling, how you're calling, or how you want to use me. I don't know any of these things, Lord. I just know that I trust you and I want to be active in my faith. What would it look like if we handed the Lord a blank check? And I can't tell you how thrilled my heart was to talk to these students about how impactful this conference was for them. About how they came away challenged 
They came away thinking about their calling. They came away thinking about all the Lord was doing in their hearts. And I've said this, and I'll continue to say this, but I think we're raising a generation that understands that God has a plan for their life, and they're willing to step out on faith and to figure out what it is. I don't want you to be left behind in that journey. I don't want you to look up one day and realize, you know, I had these chances at our church. I had these chances in our community. I had these chances overseas. I had these chances at work to be active in my faith, and I missed it. So I want to challenge you to do something this morning. We're moving into a time of invitation. And I want to challenge all the people here, students, parents, everybody, as we kind of start a new year, a new school year, I want to begin that year this morning in prayer. And I want you to pray very specifically for a couple of things. I want you to pray first of all for our students. If you've been out of school a few years, it's a lot different now than it was when you were in. Okay? I want to pray for our students, our teachers, our faculty, our administrators, all the people involved, our parents, all the people involved with the new school year. But here's what I want you to pray very specifically. That all these people and us will find ways to be active in our faith and will find ways to bless other people all year, whether it's school, at home, at work. And I'm going to challenge you to trust the Lord to step out on faith, to get up and go, and then I want to sit back and watch how He blesses you. Because He's got a plan for your life. And if you'll just follow Him, He'll do great things. Let's pray. Father, we love You and we serve You. We're thankful for this passage of Scripture. We're thankful for Abraham, Lord, and His faithfulness. But far above that, Lord, we're thankful for Your faithfulness. We're thankful for the call you place on our lives because Abraham would have been nothing without you, Father. We acknowledge that. We're nothing without you. Help us to set aside who we think we are, what we think we can accomplish, all the things we believe we can do, and help us instead, Father, to realize very clearly that it's only through you, that you will use us, you will direct us, you will empower us if we just trust you And then give us the strength and the courage to do all the things you've called us to do for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to stand. And I'm going to give you the chance. I'd really love to see this altar just kind of filled with people that are praying specifically for our students and our teachers this year. And specifically that all of us... Just imagine if just the people of Rosemont were mobilized to be active in their faith, to go out like Abraham did and trust the Lord. Just imagine how the Lord would work. So you respond as we sing together this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.